coming to you from St. Petersburg, Florida. You're listening to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the show that's the authority on where to eat in St. Pete. Here are your hosts, Kevin Godby and Lori Brown. Hi, I'm Kevin Godby. And I'm Lori Brown. Thank you for tuning in today. Welcome to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast, the podcast that's it when it comes to restaurants and food information in St. Pete. And be sure to check out our website, stpetersburgfoodies.com. There you'll find great information, including restaurant reviews, the largest St. Pete happy hour list ever created and kept updated, and information on the newest restaurants in town. We are locals that live in downtown St. Pete, and we've been eating our way through this town for years, so you don't have to, but you should. We have a new episode every Tuesday, Just hit the subscribe button and new episodes will automatically download and then you can listen to them anytime you want, like on your morning jog or commute to work. Go ahead, pause for a second and hit that subscribe button now. On today's show, Kevin and I will be talking about one of the most famous hot sauces out there. If you've never heard of it, you've certainly been living under a rock. Sriracha is the most famous I know of. For our featured interview today, we will be talking to Tom Golden. Tom is the owner of The Lure, which has locations in downtown St. Pete and Tampa. Tom also owns several other restaurants that we'll talk about on next week's episode. After that, we'll play our music segment, open our lunchbox, share our tip of the week, and have a gluten-free wrap-up. All of that is coming up on today's episode of the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. So grab a snack, pour a drink, and relax while we serve up the show. Last month, I mentioned that I decided that a nada was the perfect choice for Kevin's birthday dinner, and it certainly was. We hadn't had a cheese and charcuterie board in quite some time because we'd been so intent on getting through the rest of the menu. I had forgotten how spectacular they are. Wouldn't you agree, honey? They have amazing cheese and charcuterie boards. Actually, that's what they became famous for and what everybody usually thinks about with a nada. Yeah. I mean, we dove into that delectable selection of cheese, charcuterie, and accompaniments that go with them so fast and just couldn't stop coming up with different concoctions to sample. That thing was gone really quickly. Yeah, you're really good at figuring out how to make different combinations of things, so I just copy you. Yes, I love putting the Dijon mustard and the honey with different cheeses and such, and I almost forgot, oh, the dark chocolate too. It was so good. Not to mention, it's a work of art when it arrives at your table. Anata is definitely one of our favorite restaurants downtown, and a huge local's favorite as well, for every day and for every special occasion. So if you haven't been lately, I encourage you to do so for their unparalleled wine selection, cheese and charcuterie, and creative and scrumptious flatbreads, pastas, entrees, and specials. You really must go to Anata. Anata Restaurant and Wine Bar is located at 300 Beach Drive. They open every day at 4 o'clock. Today we decided to talk about sriracha hot sauce because... Why not? It seems to be one of the most popular hot sauces out there and has kind of a, a neat story and some other some stories that go around it, aside from just heating up your food. Right. Yes. You and, use it a lot more than I do. I do. But you have something there with, we can start off with some nice, uh, I guess, fun facts. What'd you, what'd you find? Yeah, I found them um, online from Thrillist, 12 things you didn't know about sriracha. And number one is you're pronouncing it wrong, including you and me. It's actually pronounced Sriracha. Sriracha. Guess what? No one's going to do that. Neither am I. Kind of like it's not a Beamer, it's a Bimmer. Right. If you own a BMW. We're still going to say Sriracha, even though there's an R in there that you don't pronounce because it's S-R-I-R-A-C-H-A. Just have to remember, don't try to say it. That would be tough. Sriracha. Sriracha. Okay, what else you got? Sriracha is... The type of sauce where Hoi Fong is the brand name. Right. That's the, the actual company. Right. That there are actually, believe it or not, other sriracha sauces out there. I see a couple here and there once in a while. I haven't tried them yet, but probably, probably should. I actually saw one the other day that was yellow in color. Really? Yeah. I can't imagine what that would taste like. I don't know. That's Maybe. odd. It, it says on here to accept no substitutes, even if they're emblazoned with dragons. Right. Only by the Fong. And I think they tell you in there why there's a dragon on there. Right. 
No, it's not a dragon. Is that what that says? It's a rooster. Oh, right. It says on here, even if they're emblazoned with dragons. I don't uh, know why. Yeah, thrillist. We don't know what they're talking about. Maybe you have the wrong bottle there. Maybe no. you don't have Hoi Fong. <laughs> no, it is. <laughs> it says it right here, yeah. What else? It's actually significantly less hot than a jalapeno. According to the benchmark of all things spicy, which is the Scoville, Scoville scale, sriracha scores 2,200 points. The red jalapeno peppers used in the sauce lose nearly half of their spiciness in processing, which puts the sauce on par with Fresno and Anaheim peppers, both of which are about as hot as their namesake cities. Ha ha. Funny, funny, funny. Not that much. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it's it's as hot as most hot sauces that you find out there. No. It's got a lot of good flavor to it. It does, yeah. There's a lot of garlic in there, for sure. Oh, yes, there is. I actually looked at a sriracha recipe thinking we might try to make it yeah and they say when you make it uh, homemade that it you can make it hotter oh right you can definitely make it hotter the problem is the sriracha you know when i was doing the research in in a bottle will last you for you know two to four years as the shelf life but when you make it at home and it takes a lot of time it, it says it only lasts a week that's weird i don't know what so weird that. right it doesn't make any sense the third thing i have on here or fourth i'm sorry they're not just cocky the rooster is the Chinese zodiac sign of the sauce's founder. There you go. There's the rooster. Yes. So that's why you have a rooster on the bottle. Right. Not dragons. I don't know where that came from. Number five. Some dumbass drank three pounds of the stuff. Spoiler alert. This video ends in a bathroom. What a maroon. <laughs> what an ignoranimous. <laughs> three pounds? That's yeah. It's kind of... I guess maybe it was a dare maybe. given to a stupid person. Right. Because, I mean, I'm looking at the bottle. It's, this is an interesting thing I just noticed, actually. Like a, a common amount of something is like 16 ounces. The sriracha from Hoi Hong is 17 ounces. And then it says in parentheses, one pound, one ounce. And there's nothing in all this stuff we've found that we haven't even talked about yet that tells you why it's 17 ounces. Yeah. Maybe maybe 11 was his lucky number. One pound, one ounce, one, one. I don't know. But I mean, this 17-ounce bottle, I could, I could probably, on a dare, drink half of it. Ugh. Ew, gross. But that's like a half a pound. This guy did three pounds. So he did three bottles. Yeah. That's pretty. Yeah. We don't want to know anything else about that. No, one. I don't. No. The brand name comes from the ship that carried Hui Fong's founder to the U.S., the founder, who was of Chinese descent, made the original version of Siracha in Gerber baby food jars before immigrating to the U.S. aboard the Huifang and restarting the business. Interesting tidbit. Yeah, it is. Okay, next, you can cook really good food with it. Bon Appetit came up with 25 delicious recipes, including Siracha fried chicken, and there's also a cookbook dedicated entirely to the condiment. I don't know if I'd like sriracha fried chicken. I find that when you cook sriracha, it tends to get sweeter. It actually gets sweet, which, yeah. is, which is weird. Yeah, because one time when we, we uh, ordered sriracha wings, and we're thinking they're going to be really spicy, and they were sweet instead. And we're like, oh, yeah, that didn't work. Yeah, no, didn't work so Not well. for us, anyway. Well, I know engine number nine makes sriracha wings, that, and, and people swear by them. They everybody love them. loves them. They yeah. love them, yeah. They produce over a ton of it every hour. The assembly line cranks out 3,000 bottles an hour, 24 hours a day, six days a week. wonder why it's only six. Right, but I guess they take Sunday off, you know? But that's roughly 200 tons a week, and they sell about 20 million bottles a year. Now, let's tie that in with what they, what they don't say there that we found elsewhere, uh, actually on Eater.com, is that Huifang processes all of the chili required for the year during a three-month period beginning as soon as September and ending by December. I guess that's, you know, based on the harvest is when they actually harvest start. Harvest of the red peppers, yeah. So it's not like they're running that much the entire year. That's a three-month run right. that creates the year supply. Huh. Okay. Sounds like it's every day, all year According long. to the Thrillist, not according to Eater. Okay, well. Everything that guy just says bullshit. It totally got laid. The rooster took an honorable mention in a Lay's flavor design contest. Pringles and kettle chips have also rolled out their own sriracha flavors, and you can grab a sriracha quesarito from Taco Bell. 
Keep in mind, though, uh, don't look for this right now because that might be over because this is from a few years ago. Number 10, there is a documentary. No thanks to you, but luckily 1,315 other people shelled out the money for a film via Kickstarter. Ah, We will have to make a note to look for that. If it's out there, I bet it's on Netflix. They have all kinds of weird documentaries. Uh, Number 11, a hot sauce by any other name would smell as sweet. The name comes from the small coastal Thailand town, Siracha, population 19,221. That's spelled capital S-I space capital R-A-C-H-A. So not spelled exactly the same as it is on the bottle. Right. An interesting thing, too, is that the sauce, the origin is Thailand, but the founder of the Huaifang company is Chinese. Oh, yeah, that is interesting, right? Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, there's just a lot of debate out there on who actually made the first sriracha. So I, I read a few things on it that said that it's they really don't know exactly who created the first sauce. Right. In the least, we know that this is the most popular one. So yes, at least there's that. Mm-hmm. And the 12th on here is it is ranked the number one hot sauce in the entire universe by an extremely credible source. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thrillist. Thrillist, yeah. Right. That's all. That's what I got. Which is fine. And then something else I have, uh, this was a write-up uh, on Spoon University, and I'm just going to skip to one part that I thought was interesting. And I believe this is credited to Mary Sullivan. She says, the flavors will also become hotter the longer it sits and the ingredients combine, which is a plus if you're a hot sauce adventurer. If you can't handle the heat, you can slow this process by refrigerating the bottle. So a couple of things there. I, I used to always put my bottles in the fridge. And then one day I found out that you should leave your hot sauces out of the fridge. Even the ones that say, put it in the refrigerator, I don't do it. It actually depends on how hot your hot sauce is. I just learned this too. If it's the hotter ones are fine to leave out because their ingredients actually naturally preserve them. And ah. it seems there's a, there's a sriracha ranch that should go in the fridge. Here's the other thing. And, and I, I could be totally wrong, but I certainly had the opposite impression when she says the longer it sits, the hotter it gets. It, that makes sense because like when you have like chili and it sits around for a while, mm-hmm, it's right. hotter. Right. But I thought mine, I have, I have a bottle that's been sitting around for a while and it seems like it got mi- more mild to me, but maybe that's just me. Because, I don't know. Hmm. Yeah. It the, could, could be you. And the color changes from a bright red. She says to her darker red. Mine, mine's the darker red right now, but we had one at your house. It, it gets kind of brown. It turned brown, yeah. and we threw it out. And after reading that it's good for three or four years, we probably could have saved it. Oh, yeah, we definitely could have saved it. But now we can buy a brown. I went on one. a sriracha buying spree when they had that fake uh, thing where you weren't going to be able to get oh, yeah. it ever again. That's another thing, too. There was a, this sriracha shortage scare right. a few years ago. There was a lawsuit by the uh, town where they're located, that's in uh, Irwindale, California, that the neighbors were complaining that the production was giving them headaches and making their eyes water and all this. And they actually filed a lawsuit. They did, yeah. So they actually had to uh, stop production. For 30 days. Right. But again, that, that's what the Eater article was about. And I just took that one piece out of there where they said, you know, they're, they're calling BS on it because it's like they, they produced a year supply in three months. Right. So- Nine months out of the year, they're not producing anyway. Right. And, and I think it goes along with, you know, there's been several times I've heard there's going to be a wine shortage. There's, I, I've never seen any indication of a wine shortage anywhere or a sriracha shortage. So I think that stuff is just BS. And then everybody yes. starts hoarding stuff. Right. Now I want to go buy a bunch of other sriracha stuff so we can try. So maybe we'll do a follow-up with a, with a recipe with Abby with sriracha. Yeah. I'm, I'm not so sure that you're correct that they're only producing three months out of the year. That's when they're harvesting the chilies. I believe that the production runs all year long. All right. We'll have to check and get back on that one. But that's what Eater said. Eater's wrong. This is the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. I'm Kevin Godby. My co-host is Lori Brown. Our guest today is the co-owner of The Lure in St. Pete and Tampa, the Artisan Art and Food Collective in Gulfport, Vintage Small Bites and Wine Lounge in Gulfport, and the Kitchen and Bar at Green Springs in Safety Harbor. Please welcome Tom Golden. Hello, Kevin. How are you doing? Did we get all those? 
Yeah, I think we're pretty accurate. <laughs> and amazingly, you still have time to come and do a podcast. Yeah, with I us. know, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, Tom, we actually originally met when I had clients in real estate that bought your house in, in the old Northeast. Correct. And that was about, what, four years ago? Five years ago? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. 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 Uh, 14, yeah. And I remember back then we were talking and you said, yeah, in about a year or so, I've got this new concept that's going to be coming to, to town. It's going to have, all you told me was pool tables and sushi. And so I thought immediately, the rack in Tampa used to have pool tables and sushi. And I started doing research. Of course, I dug up what I dug up. <laughs> but, and so we can go back to that. But I, I really wanted to know more about your background, where you're from, and how you actually ended up in the restaurant industry. <laughs> Well, the truth be told was that I pumped gas at a gas station on Davis Island. A good friend of mine uh, rolled in there one day to get gas and asked if I wanted to do some moonlighting or late night work at the restaurant down in Hyde Park called Jimmy Max mm-hmm. and just shucking oysters and bussing tables. I said, what are the, what are the, what's the good and the bad? And he goes, the bad is, you know, you're there late at night and you have to bust your ass. The good part about it is, is you get, it's air conditioned. You get free beer from attractive waitresses, and you can eat all you want. Right. I'm like, and you get tipped out and paid. I'm like, <laughs> I'm in. Yeah, a lot better than the gas pumping, right? A lot better than sweating in the summer <laughs> at the yeah. gas station. When all girls look at you and go, oh, you're all greasy. How old were you? I was 16. 16. So were you, were you born in Tampa? Yeah, I was born, uh, born and raised on Davis Island, South Tampa. Nice. Good. And uh, did you, where did you go to, did you go to college, go to school? I did. Well, not, I never went to culinary school, mm-hmm. but I went to Hillsborough Community College mm-hmm. and University of South Florida. And I left in my third year of University of South Florida to own, part owner and operator of a place called uh, Gianni's that was in South Tampa also and then moved over to Winter Park, Florida. Oh, so you moved to Winter Park. I did. That my, was my next question. My did, roommate, have you ever left Tampa? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I've left a few times, and I ended up coming back every time. So I kind of figured out, well, I must like it here. Yeah, right. So, uh, yeah, my partner, Robert Rosmondo, and I, uh, good, he was my roommate and my best friend. We lived together for seven years, and we moved over to Orlando and opened this place in Winter Park. And it was pretty successful and spawned uh, two more restaurants, one in Atlanta and one in uh, uh, Carrollwood. Wow. And uh, then the... All Gianni's? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then the primary uh, owner uh, sold to a company in Apple South, and we all joined Apple South. And then I realized I was I worked in the corporate world for a while with them, and it just wasn't my cup of tea. Right. So right. I stayed independent and, and worked for other smaller companies and ended up moving back to Tampa, inherited a small bar, made that a little popular, sold it, and opened my first place in um, downtown Safety Harbor. Oh, what was that? It was called um, Blue Gardenia. Oh, nice. So when did the rack come about? Was that The rack came about after 9-11. It was a decision that had to be made. Blue Gardenia was doing very well, and uh, the economy was very strong at that time, before 9-11. And then after 9-11, uh, everybody bought furniture and invested into Home Depot. And they didn't go out the 18 to, tw- well, I was in an 18 to $21 a plate place. We were called the poor man's mise en place. We were actually in the original mise en place building. Oh, wow. And uh, I got to know Marty through that. Then after 9-11, nobody went out. And everybody that did go out, they bought 5 and $6 plates. They didn't, they didnn't spend any money. The places we were on a, a three-week reservation wait before you could get a table in our place. And after 9-11, we had nothing. So we came around to the next summer, and we had $40,000 in the negative. Right. And we, my uh, wife at the time, Emily, and I decided, well, we need to make a change. With that, I got together with a man named Greg Anastasis across the street from me at Zudar's Deli, and we had been friends for a while and worked together on a couple of little things, and everybody told us we should do a business together. Mm-hmm. So we shook hands in the middle of Platt Street during Super Bowl Sunday of that year, and we hatched a plan to build the rack. Wow. I told him I had an idea if he knew somebody with some money. He said, well, I've got some money. <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, here's my idea. And we just did it on a handshake, and we never, ever had a piece of paper between us. How did that work out? Great. Good. Yeah. <laughs> Greg, and I, Greg and I are still out. great friends. He, uh, awesome. he just opened a place in, uh, in South Tampa called uh, Italian Social. Oh, nice. Yeah, it's doing well, too. Yeah, I've heard of that place. Yeah, that's great. Who, who would have thunk? Right. 
pool tables and sushi. Right. And I used to hang out at the rack, so quite a bit back in the day. Sushi pool hall. It came out of evolution. It came out of, it didn't come from like my brain to say, hey, wow, we'll build this. No, it was, it was six months in. And then we realized we had a dead space and, and I was in Orlando and got drunk and started looking behind the sushi bar going, well, what do they have here? Mm-hmm. There's no fryers. There's no hood. There's no anything. Well, I'm gonna, I can do that. <laughs> so we got together with a man named Matt Bellenstein, who's a well-known sushi guy and and chef in the area, and he did us a great deal of putting the whole sushi bar together for us. And and it it took off slow. It took time. People had to get their mind around it, like oh, you know, because that smoking was still happening at that right, time. Right, right. I remember. And that when we when smoking was going to go away we thought we were going to lose our shirts mm-hmm. but it was the opposite mm-hmm. I mean, it kind of threw us for a loop we went up five thousand a week because i guess people stayed longer i don't know right and either that or people stayed away because they didn't like this i smoke. think you're right i think that's probably a big but we thing. jumped in sales and that helped uh, pay our bills and make us think hey we're on to something here so what year did you open and then what year were you out of the business? We opened in 2002 and I left the bills I left the business in January of 2013. I okay. sold my shares for a dollar. Just bad deal with the a, a, a good partner that married the wrong woman. Oh, too bad. Yeah, right. it was. He was a he was a good guy at one time. Now the South Tampa location closed, and you still had a Brandon location open. I had I had you, no involvement. You with had that no one. involvement. No, I had initial involvement with it, and I wanted nothing to do with it. It's just a bad deal. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Okay. So after that, you took some time off, or after that, I left. And after I left in thirteen, I was dealing with a a bad marriage with good children, and. Uh, just started to unravel, and finally, uh, in due course, everything does. And uh, then I ended up purchasing the house that uh, you spoke of in real but estate. I met you. That uh, <laughs> I, re- I spent four months restoring, and then subsequently sold and and used the proceeds to build the lure. Right. And that was a while just trying to negotiate that deal to prove the the owner, uh, dog and pony show style, that yeah, this quirky concept yep. has some feet. Right. And she, uh, she, you know, to her credit, she, she took a chance on me. I guess I, she took a shine to me, and she didn't have to. There were a lot of other people, a lot of other money that wanted to go in that space. And the lure is basically what started the revitalization of the 600 block on Central Ave. It was on its way. I mean, honestly, I'd say anybody started the revitalization. Uh, it was probably the Natali brothers that put their art studio in there, and I think the the or Vitali brothers, sorry. I think they started it, and then Brew Delicious Bridget there probably right. was the single foothold that that really kind of the seed of a mega mangrove seed that got the sand around everything. And then I came in, and of course now I'm being blamed for gentrification of the block. <laughs> right, know, it's all it's, your fault. I know. It yeah, Parking meters pop up wherever I go. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are those those that feel that way, and then there are those that are very happy to see what's going on there at that. There's always going to be two sides of the coin and everything in life, and I'm I'm, I'm all right with that. Exactly, exactly. Sadly enough, this year you did lose your partner. Uh Yeah, Yeah. Um, we all loved Richard. Sorry, if I'm, should I not bring this up? No, no, it's okay. It's, I mean, I've uh, I've dealt with it. I've just, you know. I don't want to make you cry. (laughs) I don't want to cry either. I I was just going to find out how you're, had to deal with that and, and adjust on the side of your business because I know that's been tough. We know how much Richard took on and how much he took care of things at the lure. And Yeah, Richard was an anomaly. He was overly intelligent, but all simple at the same time. His his needs and wants were very simple. He, he lived very low-key. He was loved by everybody because he was fair and smart and honest and he he just did so many things that I don't do, and when I say that is after twenty years of being partners with each other, he just knew what I hated to do, and he took it on. He took the brunt of the dirty work, I guess, a lack of a better term, and the things that I just tedious and boring, and and he did them well. Right. And he let me be the creative side and the whatever I needed to do. He didn't want to deal with the public too much, so I did that. Mm-hmm. Replacing Richard is impossible. I've already realized that. I'm not going to find somebody just walk in and fill his shoes. But I kind of pieced it together with a large family of people that we have in the restaurants that now everybody took on one more role or 
or one more item and, and, or they walked up and told me, Hey, I'll handle that or I'll deal with that. And, you know, kind of get it off my shoulders. Cause mostly, and a lot of it is I suck at it. <laughs> right. And, and it's stuff that's not fun for you. Right. Right. So when it's not fun and then you have to make yourself do it. becomes it, tedious. And it you're right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I get that. It part. goes down to last on the list to do. Right. It doesn't even make the list. <laughs> right. No, I'm not doing that. No, I only brought it up because I knew what great partners you two were together, and I knew it had to be a. St- I mean, besides the fact of losing losing your best friend and your you know your partner, that that had to be really a big struggle for you with the business. So yeah, I'm glad was, everyone stepped up to the plate. He was always termed as my first wife. And, <laughs> and I, all my subsequent wives after that have all referred to him as the first wife. <laughs> His wife was not happy with that title. I'm, t- I'm sure. <laughs> That's funny. Why don't we take a quick break and then we'll come back and get into some details on the scrumptious eats at the lure. We'll be right back. When you think of engine number nine, what do you typically think of, Kevin? Amazing burgers. Yes, very creative, very inventive, kick-ass burgers. But they also have a great New Orleans-inspired other half of the menu. Remember the gumbo I had recently? Ooh, that was really good and nice and spicy. I was surprised you finished it. I know. The roux is just so flavorful and delicious. Besides the gumbo, they also have jambalaya, a few sriracha dishes, and the hot dogs are awesome. And you can't forget the best fried pickles in town, and I am talking pickle spears. Yeah, I've seen you eat those pickles for your whole meal. Yeah, for my birthday once, remember? But what we're trying to say is check out engine number nine for your favorite burger and so much more. Yes, you will love engine number nine. They're in downtown St. Pete on the corner of First Ave North and MLK. And try the Black Flag Burger and the Chili Dog. You can thank me later. Engine, engine number nine, going down the railroad line. We are back with the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast with our guest, Tom Golden, the owner of The Lure and a bunch of other places, but we're going to talk about The Lure right now. And we have the original one on the 600 block in downtown St. Pete, and then we have the Slightly newer one in Tampa. Correct. In which area of Tampa? It's in Palmasia. It's on South McDill. Mm-hmm. It's right very close to the landmark Dats. Yes. Gotcha. Uh, plus, that, there's also the lure at the Artisan now, too. So there's actually three. Right. There's, yeah. yes. Technically, there's I guess three. I call that like a little satellite or something. I don't know <laughs> exactly, because it's not like a lure restaurant. It's, right. you know, it's in a food court setting, so it's kind of, so, I don't know. It's like two and a half lures. Like maybe having it at it's the like airport. It's like Lou. <laughs> like Lou. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Lou. So the concept is great. There's sushi, all the stuff that goes with that, sashimi, rolls, and things like that. But then there are also small plates. You can go get great sushi, and at the same time, you can have some great fish and grits. Right. I love that. Mm-hmm. That's one of my... That's the Kevin. Yes. And, and I don't love it just because it has the same name as me. It has black eyed peas too, right? It has black eyed peas, Yes. <laughs> Another. It's our it's our southern dish, and pool tables, and the pool tables are free. First they come, are. first serve. Yeah, as long well as long as you're eating and drinking in the restaurant, they are. A little black right. says that you, you know should just, just show up and play. Pool. Yeah, you can't come there and get a glass of water. Now you're <laughs> now you're getting seventeen cents off me and wear and tear on my table. The original lure in St. Pete opened when again? It opened in January of sixteen. And you guys do uh, during the week lunch and dinner. Correct. And then on weekends, there's also brunch. Correct. Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. And what are some of your favorite things there, Lori? Oh, mine? I, I have to be honest. I'm really bad because I stick to the sushi side almost every single time. Love the sashimi appetizer. Kevin and I share that almost every time we go in there. It's, yeah, I brought that, that cold dead fish to you a few times. Yes, you have. <laughs> right. That's the other thing. Cold dead fish. Yes. That's, that's what actually call it on the menu. what it is. I agree. I mean, I've asked people before, would you like it warm live fish? <laughs> you know, because they, they kind of raise an eyebrow on that one. And, and it's, I guess to a degree, it was Richard and I's litmus test of an IQ on if you could figure it out. If you couldn't, we really didn't want you eating there. And, yeah, and it's not even just figure <laughs> kind of it out, like but that. have the humor that's yeah, associated I mean, with At the end of the writing, day, is, yeah. that's what I called it all the time. It was like, after a while, that's one of those things where, I always told myself, well, boy, if I ever had a sushi bar, I'd eat sushi every day. 
uh, 20 days in, not so much. <laughs> and uh, so I started just referring. It's like, hey, what do you want to eat? And I'm like, I don't know. Just give me some cold dead fish and get me out of here. <laughs> and so that's how it all started. And I insisted on doing it. I'll probably change it in the Tampa store because people really, they they just don't, they don't get it. And I'm just going to. Tampa's a different animal. It is. It really it's, is. It's a different culture. It is. Yeah. yeah, I knew I moved out of there for a reason. <laughs> but I, also, that's another general thing about the lures. I, I like that there's like the humor, the wit, tongue-in-cheek, kind of there's uh, several items that are named after people. Correct. Mm-hmm. And then there's like a background story that not everybody knows on some of those. And then even the descriptions, too, of, the, uh, of, of different menu items. Right. That was all, Richard. And that is, I believe, I'm hoping I can replace that with a, with a good, witty writer. But at the end of the day, is that was so much him. I mean, I think the uh, the nod to my wife Terry on the sure are cute Terry, and everybody's like, "Well, what what is that?" And I go, "Say it fast," you know, and they right. get it. You know, they're like, "Sure, cute Terry, sure cute." Oh, okay. That's funny. Little things like that. It was all Richard. Well, the uh, one of the other things, and this you added just I think a couple years ago because i know you brought it out to me to taste it before you added it but i love the torched hamachi isn't that one mm-hmm. you brought out to me when you first put it on the menu i'm sure i did it was that's one of my favorites that's uh thinly sliced torched hamasi, hamachi roasting on a bed of baby greens with carrots and radishes and it's dressed with this delicious herb aioli and topped with smelt roe scallions and jalapeno ponzu it's one of my favorites that's hunter chi I mean, he is, he does all the sushi in all the restaurants or in, in charge of it or in head of it. And he's just, he has so much information and uh, combine that with an amazing work ethic and you get your, the kind of person you make a partner because if you don't, he's going somewhere else. Right. So I did. That's, that was smart. And you also love the bombshell roll and the CC and T roll. Correct. I do. The bomber is my, my, it's I, my favorite. It's the one I eat every time when my wife and they're there. I mean, I could, I've eaten, you know, all the other rolls, and eh, after a while, you get kind of tired of them. It's, it's one you would kind of term as like from a right, another sushi restaurant, like a volcano kind of roll, sort of. Sort of, not, not, yeah, I guess so. Sort of, just because right. it's got snow crab and avocado and asparagus, and then it's also got salmon and tuna eel sauce wasabi mayo and tempura chips and i know that one of the volcano rolls i've eaten is very similar to that right with that it so. is definitely not keto friendly <laughs> <laughs> it is but it is tasty like, it right? is so good yes yeah drenching enough mayonnaise and sauce you can it's, make anything good exactly i think it's the wasabi mayo and eel sauce i love so much they're nice but and then the ccnt is i think somewhat similar to that in in that well it's got the um the, the spicy uh, Connie salad on top. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's done with spicy tuna inside. Mm-hmm. I mean, I eat that one on occasion, but eh, after eight pieces, I'm tired of it. Yeah, the bombshell's definitely my go-to. Yeah, I could eat all the without any trouble. That and the tuna avocado salad are my favorite. Uh, with St. Pete being a, a big brunch town, mm. you guys have a great brunch. I think we do a good brunch. I think we we try to hit all the notes that you could want on brunch without getting... We kind of play it a little safe on that one. I mean, I guess we could probably venture out and get a little crazy. I've been to a couple places recently that they really push the barriers of brunch and flavors. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to get a little more to that. I think I need to get Kevin Bell, our executive chef, cranking in that direction. Yes, and the Kevin is named after Kevin, their executive chef, not after Kevin Godby. <laughs> Actually, it's named after my brother, but oh, I tell is? Kevin Bell that it's named after him. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. My brother and I used to do a lot of redfish fishing, so therefore, ah. uh, that's why he got the redfish. I got it. Well, good. Now I got the real story. Just don't tell Kevin. <laughs> the other Kevin. <laughs> Just on the brunch, one of my favorites is Aunt Rosie's Country Benedict. I mean, I love Benedicts in general. But this one, uh, you have a, you grill a biscuit, split it, top each side with a breakfast sausage patty, poached egg, and smother with granny's sage sausage gravy. Really yummy. Served and served with uh, tasso ham breakfast hash or smoked gouda grits. And I got the breakfast hash because I knew I was getting grits on the side anyway. So it kind of got both. <laughs> and that one is actually named after uh, Richard's Aunt Rosie. And if you just prefer the classic eggs Benedict... That's available, too. And the Crab Cake Benedict is probably, the, I'd say, the most popular of all of them. Oh, is that mm-hmm. right? Oh, yeah. Oh. I mean, it's probably two to one. Mm-hmm. The lure, 
downtown St. Pete, 600 block of Central Ave. What's and the exact address, Tom? 660? 661. 661. I was close. So close. <laughs> 661. And then in Tampa on uh, South McDill. Correct. And it's uh, thelurestpete.com it is. and thelurestampa.com. Correct. Check out the lure for some great sushi, pool tables, and excellent small plates of an eclectic nature. And lovely cocktails. I was just yes. about to say, and they have a full bar. Oh, yes. yes. <laughs> All right, Tom, thank you. Thank you very Thanks, much, Tom. guys. This is Chris Walker And you're listening to Word on the street is there's a new fish bar coming to town named Alto Mare, and we are super excited about this new space and its menu. Alto Mare means deep sea in Italian. It's located right next door to Anata on Beach Drive, and it's also owned by the same owners, Kurt and Mary Cucaro of Mazzaro's. They will be featuring creations from our very own rising star in the chef world, who you may know from Anata, Joshua Breen. The interior feeling, it's elegant, light and airy, has a coastal feel, and they will be featuring specialty fish entrees from different types of seafood from all across the U.S. They will have things flown in every day, fresh. They will have a nice wine list featuring whites and bubbles with a few reds thrown in. Look for Alto Mare to debut in the month of January. For more information and pictures, please go to stpetersburgfoodies.com and read the full write-up. In case you can't tell, we can't wait for Alto Mare Fish Bar to open. Altamari Fish Bar will be located at 300 Beach Drive in beautiful downtown St. Petersburg. When they do open, they will be open every day at 4 p.m. Welcome back to the St. Petersburg Foodies Podcast. Our music segment, which showcases local artists, is brought to you by One Step Media and Kate Reuter. One Step Media provides management, marketing, and booking services to independent artists, and Kate herself is also a singer-songwriter. Today, for our musical guest, we have Jordan Esker back with us for an encore. Jordan is the frontman of the band Jordan Esker and the 100%. They have established themselves as Florida's soft rock staple. They consistently tour through America's Southeast, bringing their harmony-heavy show that climbs with emotional intensity and crashes with a harmonically rich bang. So we would like to welcome back Jordan Esker. Yes. Hey. Back. Hey. From Jordan Esker and the 100%, not 99.9. No. 100. Not at all. All not, there. Not 101 because that's not possible. It's, yeah, there's some, some people say it is. Jordan was with us last week and agreed to come back again this week. Since yes. we already did the Fast Five Foodies questions, we're going to do a quick lightning round like we really do with chefs. Yeah. I'm going to see if I can pick these at random. Okay. Ranch or blue cheese? Blue cheese. Good answer. Here, this one might be tough. Bacon or sausage? Sausage. All right. <laughs> I am not a bacon person. Okay. I like it, but I'm like, it's, I think it's way overwhelmed and it's just one note and I like seasonings there and the sausage. Go. There you go. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Mm-hmm. Cheddar or Swiss? Usually cheddar. Okay. White cheddar. Mm-hmm. Ketchup or mustard? Mustard. Mustard, good. Coleman's. Coleman's hot oh, yeah. mustard. Oh. Okay. So good. Add that to the shopping list. Yeah. Ribeye or filet mignon? Um, not much of a red meat person. Um, mm, okay. Burger. <laughs> burger. <laughs> burger. That burger works. All right, I'm going to ask. Ribeye, though, if, if I was one of the two. There you but, go. Butter or olive oil? Olive oil more often, but um, you can't replace butter. No. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 It's almost like a trick question. I know. Yeah. I had to ask that one. I it looked like you were going to leave it out. That's a Bon Appetit <laughs> one, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's where I stole it from. I yeah, stole, yeah. stole it from there. That's fine. <laughs> That's a good one. Cool. So you listen to their podcast also? Yeah, Bon Appetit. And um, sometimes I do Splendid Table, but then I listen to all the music podcasts too. One of my favorite artists uh, called Jamie Liddell has a podcast called Hanging Out with Audiophiles. Oh, cool. Um, and it's 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 very geeky, like audio tech type stuff, but mm-hmm. he just interviews other producers and engineers. Oh. He's like this really quirky British guy, and it's cool to like kind of get to know him through the podcast after knowing his music. Neat. So. Awesome. I'll have to cue that up too. Yeah. 
So today we're featuring the song Another Second Chance. Yeah. Which that technically that would be a third chance. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it could be a fourth or fifth chance, depending right. on how you're looking right. at it. That's the whole point, yeah. yeah. Right, another another second chance. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, yeah. but I'm thinking this is another one of many examples in music where those difficult relationships turn into good music. Sort of. Uh, the drummer in the band, Vincent Montemorano, uh, who we've been playing music together since we were 13, he actually like mostly wrote this song, and then we kind of all completed it together. He kind of based it on like a friendship he had, I think, but we kind of just went from a concept. Sometimes you start with a concept off of like a small interaction, mm-hmm. but it's not really about that person. It's just that person kicked it off for you right. in a way. Right. That's often what happens. Inspiration. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I heard horns. Are those actual mm-hmm. horns? Or yeah. Sen- they are okay. Yeah, uh, we sometimes we produce it live, but um, we did. Uh, we have a friend, Sheldon Cooper, who's uh, an amazing musician. Um, plays a, a whole wealth of instruments, but he mainly plays sax. And he, uh, we had the ideas for the horns. We knew how we wanted them to go, but he transcribed it all and got his friends oh, together great. to do it. And we did it at a um, at a theater in um, nice. in Pasco. Nice. And uh, we were that was recorded between like twelve a.m. and three a.m. or something like that. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. And of course, there's great lead vocals and great harmonies. Thanks. That's what yeah. you guys uh, do very well. Staple. Thanks. So thank you, Jordan. Thank you. And here Appreciate we are. it. Here we are with another second chance from the album Fail to Learn by Jordan Esker and the 100%.
Once again, that was Jordan Esker and the 100% with Another Second Chance from the album Fail to Learn, which is available on Spotify and several other music download services. Today for lunch, we are at the Left Bank Bistro, and we got here just in time before it got really crowded. Yeah, it really is crowded in here. Yep, and the deputy mayor is even here. Yes. We started off with the uh, Salad Vert. Verte, I think. Okay. Maybe it's Vert. Yeah, we got to practice our, our French. Salade, salade. <laughs> it, it was a really good salad. It was, yeah. It's uh, a mix of lettuces, endive, cucumber, green beans... It's got mirin vinaigrette and a toasted crouton. And I was had to eat the crouton a couple of times to figure out what the spice was in it, but I nailed it even before Kevin told me that it was tarragon. Yeah. Technically not a spice though, but an herb. Herb, okay. Right. Yeah. Tarragon, yeah. Got it. Got it's it. a it's a it's a floral one. Right. That I, yeah. I, I actually like. You have to really like stuff that's flowery. And because he likes gin, it's probably why he likes it. But right. and then I had um, the tarragon chicken salad. It's a brined herb grilled chicken with grapes, walnuts, and celery in a creamy tarragon house dressing with pickled onion on top, gem lettuce on the bottom, and it's in a warm croissant. Um, didn't really care for the pickled onions. They tasted like fennel. Kevin even tasted them and said they're, they're pickled yeah. in fennel. They tasted like fennel to me too, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I thought the uh, chicken salad was good. It was good. It wasn't, I mean, outstanding, but it was It was very good. It was fresh. Well, there was tarragon in that, too. Yeah, it's probably why. <laughs> yeah, you're full of tarragon. But the croissant was delicious. Yeah. I just don't eat a lot of bread, so. Yeah, and I, I liked the chicken salad, too, from what I tasted. I, I was actually gonna, going to order that, but you ordered it. Yeah. So I got a banh mi, which is a miso stewed short rib, shiitake pate, pickled vegetable aioli, pickled carrot and daikon, fresh Thai basil, cucumber, cilantro, jalapeno, green onion on a nice fresh baguette and they were not shy at all holy cilantro i know yeah the cilantro here's when, when they're making the sandwich and they're gonna put the cilantro on you hear boop, boop, right because there's a, a dump truck backing up dumping an entire yeah it was it's <laughs> my, my worst nightmare just looking at it <laughs> yeah it's the the flavor doesn't bother me like it does Lori, but there was a lot of cilantro man so i actually took the cilantro off of my second half but it, but it was good. It was enjoyable, and the place is beautiful, They and they seem to be doing well because uh, right after we got our order in, the place just filled up. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, check out the Left Bank Bistro. They're on uh, MLK, and they are fairly new. They've been open for a few months. Our Lunchbox segment is where we read opinions and answer questions from our listeners. Please email us at lunchbox at stpetersburgfoodies.com with your opinions, feedback, and questions to be featured in this segment. On last week's show, we talked about cooking and restaurants with Tim Johnson. Some of the comments received were Todd Gardner says, Way to go, Tim Johnson. Lorelei Hester, That's my baby brother. When he was six years old and I asked him to bring me a glass of water, he would come back with a glass on a tray with a lemon slice. Love you, Timmy. That's funny, we talked about that on the show, but. Tim didn't tell us it's when he was six years old. That's funny. In news, Altomari Fish Bar announced that they will be doing their grand opening on February 10th. So you might want to put that on your calendar. That is not found on our website, but they announced it. We also heard that there may be a soft opening sooner. So keep an eye out on 300 Beach Drive next to Anada. In new posts that we have on stpetersburgfoodies.com, we have one new review from last week and we have an, another news piece. In news, the galley is expanding into the space next to them that used to be the hookah lounge. The ship's hold, is what the new space will be called, will be open for happy hour and late night Wednesdays through Sundays. For more info, go to stpetersburgfoodies.com. Also on the site is the latest review of Sweet Diva's Chocolates. Additionally, on an upcoming show, we will have Dr. Barbecue as our guest. He's been on four TV shows, authored nine books, and opened his downtown St. Pete restaurant a few months ago. So mark your calendars for February 19th for Dr. Barbecue. To comment on the show by email, you can write to lunchbox at stpetersburgfoodies.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn, amongst others. Also, if you have a a home voice-activated assistant, you can play the St. Petersburg Foodies podcast on Apple HomePod, 
Amazon Echo, Google Home. They all play the St. Petersburg Foodies podcast. Hi, this is Tim Johnson from Johnson & Johnson Medical Solutions and National Wound Care, and you're listening to St. Petersburg Foodies podcast. In continuing with our New Year's tips of the week on five tips to eat like a foodie and stay healthy, this week's tip is watch your size. It's easy to overindulge, so it's important to maintain your portion size. So like when you go out to eat, share meals if you have someone that you can share a meal with, or just portion off a part of it and go ahead and pack it up in a doggy bag to take home. Uh, that way you won't accidentally overeat. I sometimes do that to Kevin. I'll just like take stuff away from him so he doesn't finish the whole yeah, plate. It, it goes back to when you were a kid and you were told you need to finish everything on your plate. Right. So try to not do that. And then uh, you can take a doggy bag home and have lunch the next day. And then another good way at home is to use the palm of your hand as a guide to measure proteins. They say it's equivalent to a deck of cards. According to the American Heart Association, proteins should be around three ounces and grains and pastas at around a half a cup. But, you know, veggies, good news, you don't really have to measure those. So use veggies to fill you up. And how many of you just looked at your hand like I did? <laughs> right. Thanks for listening. Thanks to our guest, Tom Golden, and thanks to our sponsors, Anata Restaurant and Wine Bar, their sister restaurant right next door, Altamari Fish Bar, and Engine Number 9, where you can get some of the best burgers in St. Pete. Damn right. Our announcer is Candice Aviles from Meet the Chef and Channel 10 News, and our intro music is provided by the Chris Walker Band. We'd like to remind you to check out all the latest restaurant reviews, foodies news, top 10 lists, and updated happy hours on stpetersburgfoodies.com. If you're listening to us on iTunes or any other podcast app, please give us a rating and also remember to share the show with your foodie friends. Until, Until next time, time, may your food be hot and your bubbly cold. So can I get you gentlemen something more to drink or maybe something to nibble on, some pizza shooters, shrimp poppers, or extreme fajitas?